They met. When Lokilani and I had just met, we'd become friends and we never really dated, but we just got really close and we'd talk on the phone every night. We'd pray together. We'd just really got to know each other really deeply. And at some point we had a little, you know, disagreement or whatever. And it was because I was pushing her away. I didn't like the feelings that I was having for her. I was just falling deeply in love with her. I, had, I was getting so close to her. And um, she kind of caught on to what I was doing. And she told me something that I'll never forget. She said, I know what you're doing. And no one had ever caught me in the act of pushing them away before. You know, I, I, this is kind of like the way that I just treated all the people that were close to me in my life. I would keep them at arm's length. And she had gotten to know me so well, she was able to understand what I was doing and put it in, put it in a way um, that put it to words in a way that I wasn't able to even put it to words. And what I learned about knowledge that day is all knowledge is given by the one who holds the knowledge Mm -hmm. to know God. We must get God Mm -hmm. because knowledge is knowledge is just being close to the one who holds the information that you're looking for. That's what it is. The only way we can get any information um, any kind of knowledge is if the person who holds the knowledge gives it to us, um, whether they give it to us uh, straight up through telling them the exact sentence that they want you to know, whether it's through a story, whether it's through an interaction, whether it's through behavior. Um, Lokalani was able to catch up, catch on to who I really was and what I was doing to her by just being around me and, and seeing what I was about. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, the knowledge of God and how to get more knowledge of God. Aloha and welcome to Amen Podcast, where we preach the good news of Jesus Christ and how it applies to everyday life. I'm Lokilani, your host, and I'm joined by my husband, Alex, who is preaching on knowledge. We're continuing our series in Matthew, looking at chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Um, I'll go ahead and read those verses. We're using the ESV version today, and Alex will preach, and then we'll have a Q&A at the end. Let's read. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart in turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, Many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Amen. So who was Jesus talking to 
right here in verse 10, it tells us who. It says, the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? So Jesus is about to answer the disciples, and he is answering a question that the disciples have. Disciples are wondering, why does Jesus not just speak plainly and tell them exactly what he wants uh, people to know? Why does he speak to them in parables? And by them, he means the crowd. And so there's a there's a difference and a distinction made right here in verse 10. Who Jesus is about to talk to in this, in this message, in this passage, is the disciples, and he's talking to them about the crowd. Mm. Specifically, what is he talking to them about the crowd about? In verse 11, he says, and he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. To who? To the disciples. They have been given the ability to know what? The secrets of the kingdom. The knowledge of the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom has been given to the disciples. We're talking about the 12 disciples who are following Jesus. And even within that 12, really the 11, because Judas didn't want to know the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. He had his own kingdom he was working at. But the people who trusted in him, believed in him, those are the ones who are going to get the secrets to the knowledge of the, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. Now, what is the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of God? Jesus is a secret. It's no secret that Jesus is a secret. I think because we have um, in our culture, we have stuff like the Illuminati and, you know, and uh, we have these people who sell courses about the eight secrets you need to know on how to become a millionaire in one year. Like there's all kinds of courses out there where people claim that if you buy this membership and if you're in the in crowd, you can have secrets. Mm -hmm. The kingdom of God doesn't have secrets that are overly complicated because all the secrets point to who? They point to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the secret knowledge of God. In 1 Timothy 3.16, Paul says, By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who has he who has revealed in the flesh, I'm sorry, he who was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. This little poem is about Jesus. He is the secret knowledge of God. If you want to know God, if you want to know the deep treasures of who God is and how He works. All we have to do is look at Jesus. Look no further than the Son of God, who is also the Word of God. Mm. We can't get to know someone unless their words reveal them to us. God is speaking to us through Jesus. Jesus is the words of God. So that is going to be revealed to the disciples and not the crowd. So when does this knowledge happen? When do we get this greater knowledge of God? It happens when you're given the ability. In verse 12, it says, for to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. More will be given. What is this talking about? So he's saying the one that has. Who is the one that has? The one that has is the person that believes. Again, he's talking about the disciples. The disciples believe in Jesus. So they have, and the one that has more will be given. The one that doesn't believe is a person who has not. He's talking about the crowd. The crowd, time and time again, if 
you read the Gospels, you'll see that they are there for completely different motives. Mm -hmm. This is why the crowd goes from saying, let's make you a king in John chapter 6 to going to saying, uh, crucify him, give us Barabbas. How could the crowd change so quickly? It's because they really didn't have trust in him. They really didn't have belief in him. They really hadn't been, they hadn't been given the ability. So what he's saying here is, it's not that uh, parables are being used to conceal truth. They're there to reveal truth. If they don't get it, that just reveals that they don't care, that they're there for different motives. Think about Costco. When you have a membership, more will be given to you because you have a membership. There's times when I've, I've gone to Costco without my wife because she's the one that has the card in her name. And I show up to walk in just like it's any old other store like Walmart or Target, and I can't get in. He who has not, even what he has, will be taken away. I had all these things in, in mind that I wanted to shop about, but I had not. And because I had not, even the ideas that I had that I thought I was going to buy was taken away from me because mm -hmm. I didn't have membership. When you trust in Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, you have membership into the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Actually, what it means to, to be a part of the kingdom of God is to simply trust in Jesus. The kingdom of God is two things. It's the rule and reign of God on earth over everything. Rightly, he rules over everything because he created everything and everything is his. The other way to think about the kingdom of God, which is just as accurate, is the people of God make up the kingdom of God. When a king comes out on his balcony and he looks over all his people and he has a special message to give to his people, we see all the people. Those people make up that kingdom. And that is us. We have membership inside and we've been given mm. ability. But if you don't trust, you don't believe, you have not been given ability to understand scripture to understand these parables to understand these deep truths that are it's crazy because they're not overly complicated they're actually very simple that's what makes them so great and so profound is that the mysteries of the kingdom are simple mm. but where does this knowledge enter into our life verse 13 tell us and this is why even if the mystery of the secrets of the kingdom even if that knowledge is simple when you're not trusting in him, you will not get it. Because where this happens is in the eyes and the ears. Verse 13, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So if you're tracking with this, we're, we've, we've gone through the who, what, when, where of knowledge in this passage. Who? Talking to the disciples. What about the knowledge of the kingdom? When? It happens when they're given ability. And verse 4, where it happens in the eyes, or I'm sorry, the fourth one, not verse 4, the fourth one, where it's given in the eyes and the ears. So what he says is, I'm, I'm speaking to them in parables to reveal to them that their eyes and their ears aren't working correctly. No one comes to the knowledge of God just to their own strength because knowledge has to be given. It's not gained. Mm. You, can't just, um, you can't just gain a degree in God. You can't just like gain a, a level of um, importance and the knowledge just comes to you. Um, 
you can't like just reach enlightenment in the way that the world wants to say that we can. I've eventually, if you just if you just really try hard and you really do good, eventually you'll reach this point of enlightenment all on your own. That's anti-biblical. It's religious. It's a uh, it's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Knowledge has to be given. It's not gained. And the reason why Jesus is speaking in parables is he's showing that even if we tried to gain knowledge on our own, we couldn't do it. Why? Because there's something wrong with our eyes and ears, verse 13 says. So why don't our eyes and our ears work? Look at verse 15. This is the why knowledge has to be given and not gained. He says, for, and he's quoting Isaiah. So this is hundreds of years before Jesus is even born. Isaiah said this. For this people's heart has grown dull. What does it mean to be dull? Dull translates into thick, fat, calloused. Mm. Thick, fat, and calloused. These people's hearts, our hearts, are thick, fat, and calloused. Think of a, a bull's foot. Have you ever looked at like a cow or, a, or even a horse or a bull? If you looked at their feet, what would you see? You would see callous. You would see dry skin, calluses. You would see just this thick, heavy, fat, hardened piece of flesh. That is what these people's hearts were looking like. That's what our hearts look like spiritually. Dull. He promises to give us a heart of flesh, a soft, beating, beautiful heart. In verse 15, and with their ears, they can barely hear because their hearts are dull, but their eyes, they have, they have them closed. So he's saying their ears are barely hearing, meaning they hear, but they're barely hearing, and their eyes, they have closed. So whose fault is it? It's theirs. It says that their heart has grown dull. It wasn't dull at first. It's grown that way. Why? Because of sin. Because they choose to not hear. Because they choose to close their eyes. It's when something you don't want to hear, you know, kids do it. They put their fingers in their ears and they say, la, 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 la. They don't want to hear it. This is what the crowd is doing. Because Jesus is saying stuff to the crowd that they don't want to hear. Mm. They're saying stuff that is offensive. It's saying stuff that's going to demand them to change from their ways, mm. to repent. They don't want to hear that. This is a story of everyone in the whole world. Yeah, They don't want to hear it. Because the things that Jesus says reveals what's really going on. And that's uncomfortable. Especially when we live in a world that is constantly affirming our sin, mm -hmm. constantly affirming you can have whatever you want. You know, when, when the Apple Vision Pros really take off and there's one in every home, you're thinking, well, I'm never going to get that. You have an iPhone. Mm -hmm. If you have an iPhone, if you, if you have AirPods, it's only a matter of time until you have an Apple Vision Pro. The price is going to go down, inflation, all kinds of stuff is going to happen. And eventually, there's going to be one of these in every single home. Mark my words. And as long as you have that thing on, you can be whatever you want to be. You can be where you ever want to, wherever you <laughs> want to be. You can look at whatever you want to look at. What this is telling us in our world today is we're trying to make gods out of ourselves, so we don't have to submit to God. Mm. Our hearts can grow more dull more thick, more fat, more calloused to the things of God mm. because we can just have whatever we desire. Mm. 
And so he's saying what, what has to happen is, and unless we get a heart of flesh that's soft and beating, unless we learn to listen to the things that sometimes we don't want to hear, we're never going to have the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God, how do we get it? it tells us in verse 16 and 17, by following. But blessed are your eyes. Jesus is talking to the disciples again. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed, this means desired, to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear but did not hear it. What is the difference between the disciples and the crowd? The disciples are fishermen. Some of the disciples are, you know, ex-criminals. Some of the disciples are just regular Joes. Why are they different than the crowd? What is the difference? The difference is how they're following. The crowd is following Jesus, but not the same way that the disciples are following Jesus. When it's time to go to bed, the crowd goes home. The disciples sleep in the same house as Jesus. You see the difference? They're both following. And the reason why Jesus says, blessed are your eyes, disciples, is because they see. Mm. Blessed are your ears is because they hear. He's saying, you trust me. You're really following me. You really love me. And that's the difference. You know you're following Jesus when there's fruit following you. Mm. If you look at verse 8 of the last episode, Matthew 13, verse 8, Jesus talks about the good soil and how the good soil has fruit. That's the difference in the character of the disciples versus the crowd. The disciples are going to have fruit. If you want to know if someone is following Jesus, see if there is fruit following that person. They should be dropping grapes and bananas and cherries and strawberries all along the path of following Jesus. And if you want to know if someone's not following Jesus, you just look at their life and say, okay, is there any fruit here? Fruit is the character of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Fruit is um, Christ-likeness. But also fruit is like making disciples. The disciples weren't the only person, people, that were called to make disciples. We all are. From, from my eight-year-old son to, uh, you know, to all the way up to their great-grandparents, to their aunties and uncles that come to church every Sunday, we're all called to make disciples. We're all called to be fruitful. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my friends here, one of the uncles in our life here, said that the first Great Commission was to to uh, be fruitful and multiply. And that was God telling Noah to have babies, more babies and his grandkids and all this stuff. And now in Matthew 28, we're called to go out into all the world and make disciples. What does that mean? It means God wants a family. And when you're a Christian father and mother, the fruit of your loins, you can make them disciples and invite them into God's family. Mm. And if you don't have kids, when you are out making disciples, what are you doing? You're making kids for God. Yeah. In a way, it's like you're a mother. In a way, it's like you're a father. You're, you're giving birth spiritually to new life. How are you going to grow in the knowledge of God? You got to follow him. Mm. But not follow him like the crowd. Follow him like the disciples. Live with him. It means having time with him. It means talking with him. It means moving stuff around. It means 
it means if Jesus was at your house, would you watch that show with him? Right. If Jesus was at your house, would you tell Google to play that song? And this isn't about morality and just, you know, changing the way, changing your behavior because it's the right thing to do or because it looks better Mm -hmm. or because God will like you more if you change your behavior. This is a change in your desires. Look, at it says in verse 17, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, disciples, and to hear what you hear. What is it that they, these, these prophets and these, and these kings, the righteous people in the Old Testament, Abraham, Moses, these big guys, Elisha, Elijah, these heroes of the faith, the judges, what did they long to see that the disciples are now seeing and hearing? Jesus. In the Old Testament, they only got glimpses of him, theophanies of him. They didn't get Jesus in the flesh. Like Timothy is saying in 3.16, vindicated in the spirit, revealed in the flesh, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. They're waiting to see Jesus. And now the disciples are sitting down with him in the boat. Talking to him. They desired in their heart. And that is the difference. Really following Jesus. Really waiting for this knowledge and getting this knowledge. It comes down to desiring. Do you desire him? Do you long for him? Do you love Jesus? Really love him. Because if you really love somebody, then it's easy to stop doing things. That would come in between you and that person. Lokilani and I don't drink because that would come in between us, mainly because my problem with drinking in the past, mainly because my constant desire every day to escape. It's my default position to protect myself from feeling things I don't want to feel. I want to escape. Drinking would come in between us. Because I love Lokilani, I got rid of it. When you love somebody and you desire somebody, you don't just clean up your life, you know, to please that person. You clean up your life because you love that person. Jesus followed Roman soldiers to his death so Mm -hmm. we could follow righteousness to life. Wow. This is where the power comes from. If Jesus followed God and his will to Mm -hmm. death and then rose again, then there is no place that Jesus will lead us that doesn't eventually lead to life. Mm -hmm. So if Jesus followed God's will, which meant death, and yet three days later he rose, that is the proof, the power that we need to remember that there is no place that Jesus will lead us that will not eventually lead to life. Because Jesus is the will of God. Mm, That's good. And in, in the book of John tells us the will of God is to believe in the one whom he has sent. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he, he sent. Who? Jesus. He sent the knowledge of himself to earth so we could follow in his footsteps, so we could mm-hmm. have life given to us, revealed to us. He sent the knowledge of the secrets and the mysteries of who God was to earth and made him a person. That's as good as it gets. He is the key. In uh, Jurassic World, there, 
um, I believe it's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. There's a little girl in it named Maisie. And um, in the next movie, everyone is trying to get her. Why? She is the key. Her DNA is the key to the future of Jurassic World. It's the future to billions and billions of dollars, you know, wanting to be made through dinosaurs. This little girl, her DNA is the missing link in all of it. That's a picture of Jesus. The key, the secret, the mystery, the knowledge is a person. He's flesh and blood. And so following him means getting to know the key, getting to know the secret, getting to know the mystery, mm. getting to know the mm-hmm. knowledge of God by spending time with him. This will never happen to you if you don't believe that's who he is. Don't you see? Believing is what gets you up at four o'clock in the morning to spend with him, five o'clock in the morning. Believing is what makes you put down your phone and open up your Bible on your lunch break. Morality will not get you that far. Sheer will and strength will not get you that far. But believing and loving and desiring a person, you'll go to great lengths to protect your relationship with that person. Mm, that's good. And that's what Owen and Claire do in Jurassic World. Mm. They protect Maisie at all costs because they love Maisie like their own child. Yeah. Do you love Jesus that you will protect your relationship with him at all costs? You won't mm. let anything good in between him. If you live like that, you're living like the disciples, you're living like the apostles. And what's going to happen is knowledge of who he is is just going to grow and grow and grow and grow inside of your heart. And your heart will become softer and yet stronger at the same time. That's a cool thing about muscles, right? Is be- before I started working out, Lokilani would lay on my arm and it was just this hard, bony arm. But now that I have mu- muscles, the it's like a soft place for her to rest her head. And what's weird is, though it is softer for her to lay her head, I'm also stronger at the same time. This mm-hmm. is the kind of heart of a Christian. It's soft and it's stronger. Mm. versus dull and calloused and hardened. Mm. That kind of heart is the heart of sin, is the heart of Satan. The kind of heart that God gives us through knowledge of himself, through falling in love with him, is a heart of flesh. Amen? Mm. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the good news that we don't have to remain uh, dull in our hearts, but we can grow um, soft and and kind and strong and and beautiful as we just follow you, just walk with you, Lord. And uh, we pray that's what we would do. And I pray that you would increase our faith so that we would trust you that way. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. This is a part of the episode called After the Amen, where we ask you a question to help you apply this message to your life. Our question today is, in what ways is God giving you knowledge? In what ways is God giving you knowledge? And I, I feel like Alex touched on this, especially in your last point um, of just protecting that relationship at all costs with God, you know, not because he needs us to protect him, but because when we have been transformed by him, we see the value. We see that nothing else will allow our existence, <laughs> you know, but knowing him. And so, um, yeah, that's, I feel like that's, those are some ways that God is giving me knowledge specifically with, you know, we just announced 
our current pregnancy um, last week in the podcast and over on Instagram. And I think every time we have a child, you know, it just resets kind of like, um, well, I'll just kind of look at our lives. Like, you know, it, what's working, what isn't working? How can we prepare for this new child? Um, you know, what is God doing through this new blessing of life? And, you know, for me, I feel like he, I'm just feeling, really feeling the, like, the pressures of parenting, the pressures of motherhood. And um, I think everything in our, everyone in our culture is like, no, no, no. Like if you admit weakness or pressure or that you feel like, you know, you are feeling the weight of something, it's like either numb out or no, don't, don't make yourself feel that pressure. You're doing great. Like you got this, like, yes, we need encouragement. Yes. I'm not saying that we just need to feel bad or only look at the negative in our life at all times. But, um, I think like feeling that pressure is good. And I think it's easy for me to like, okay, like go to other things, like distract myself, um, with other knowledge, with stuff that I don't need to be consuming or thinking about, um, so that I don't take that pressure and put it into like positive action, um, positive change in our lives. And so, yeah. And I feel like, um, the Lord is just kind of like pushing me to like denoise, you know, to not allow so much in my mind, um, so that I can hear his voice and respond and obey, um, and make changes that will have lasting impact. Like that's what, as you were saying, like following God is now the great commission of making disciples. And I want to effectively do that in my home so that my kids will have the desire to do the same thing, to build this legacy of faith and to, um, work and live for the kingdom of God. And, um, another thing I was just thinking of was just like, you know, the verse that says like, where much is given much is required. And I think that a lot of times because of our culture, that means like, okay, well that means maybe that we should give, do like three podcasts a week, or we should do this or that. And I think when it, when for like how I'm personally seeing that play into my life is like much is required of what I give my children, of how I'm teaching my children, of um, how I'm discipling my children. There's much given six kids. Doesn't mean we have to do more, you know, like in a, an event type of way, but like it means that more is required um, to raise them in the ways of the Lord. And so um, I feel like that's just, the way and the way he's the Lord is speaking this to me is through learning through Alex. Like he's like the preacher of our home first <laughs> and then the preacher of Amen podcast. So um just as he's the leader of our home, the Lord, you know, speaking to him as he's studying and him sharing that with me is teaching me as a wife. And I love that I can look to my husband as um, my greatest teacher after, you know, the Lord going to the word of God itself and, um, like filling my mind with scripture. So life is busy with five kids and being pregnant. And so, um, my Bible time isn't what I love it to be, um, as it was in the past. And my hands are busy throughout the day a lot. And so listening to sermons, listening to the Bible, that's one way that 
one thing I've been thinking about doing more is like listening to the audio Bible if I can't sit and physically read while I'm doing dishes or changing diapers or whatever it is. Um, those are ways where, um, you know, I can receive knowledge from the Lord and also not listening to anything, having silence so that when, you know, I feel like the Lord is like, reminding me of something, bringing conviction or revealing knowledge of something after spending time with him, I can respond to that instead of just like pushing it away and filling my mind and crowding my mind with other things. And so, yeah, I hope that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. I like what you said about just the temptation to fill your mind with other knowledge. I think that like there's so much access to that now Mm -hmm. and, um, like that's what makes your heart grow so dull and calloused Yeah, is just filling your mind with knowledge that isn't of God, you yeah. know? And I think that there's definitely a time to have fun and be entertained, mm-hmm. but um, we are just constantly entertained now and constantly our hearts are just getting harder and harder. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just a dangerous place to be. And there is no excuses to go into the knowledge of God. Like if you, if you really want to follow him, you'll that just means spending time with him yeah it means like making time for him and you have time you have the same amount of time as everybody else in the whole day right it's just a matter of is sleep more important to you than jesus is tiktok more important to you than jesus you know is uh whatever it is you can put blank in front of it is that more important to you than jesus and like it we see all the time jesus making time to spend time with god Mm -hmm. you know even when he has there's no one more demanded after than Jesus. And so we're not more busy than him. I mean, we're, he definitely lived a simple and and quiet life, but busyness in the sense of everywhere he went, once he was doing his ministry, it crowds and crowds of people following him. Yeah, You know, there's times where he has to wake up while it's still dark. Mm -hmm. You know, it tells us in Mark to spend time with God. And so if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. You know, there's just no, there's no excuses and I'm not great at this. Like sometimes I wake up and I just hit snooze cause I just can't fathom getting out of bed, you know? But I think, um, just repenting of that, that's what it means mm-hmm. to be a person after God's own heart. Um, and having a soft heart, it means just repenting. Okay. I have not been making time with God. I've been spending more time on my device than I have, you know, with the father yeah. and making that change. Cause there's grace, you know, and you have to be patient with yourself. You know, and know that you have to look at your life and be like, wow, yeah, I have drifted pretty far. Now it's time to get back. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's Mm -hmm. what it's all about is going after God again. And so that's what we are going to try to do this week. We've we've done, we've gotten back into family worship, which has been fun. Yeah. You know, we just put up a lyric video on YouTube of a worship song and we sing it together and pray together at night and talk. And um, it's not hard to do. We, we make it seem like it's hard to do, but it's mm-hmm. really not hard to do. It's not any harder than watching a movie. There's spiritual weight in it, and there's definitely spiritual warfare in it. Yeah. And um, crazy emotions because your your flesh is like, don't do this, don't do this. Um, but in reality, practically speaking, it's not any harder than reading a book, watching a show, watching mm-hmm. 200 reels. Yeah. Um, we have time to do this. It's just It's just our hearts don't want to do it. Um, but we will grow to love it 
the more we do it. Yeah. And one last thing I was thinking of too, is just like this, we live in like, you know, the shorts and real and TikTok culture of consuming so much knowledge and we can feel like, okay, we've attained knowledge because I just watched 100 shorts yeah. or reels or yeah. whatever platform you choose to be on. And I gained so much knowledge. But, you know, what I've noticed throughout my life is like when I'm listening to, if we're, you know, talking about the consumption of content, if I'm listening to a podcast or a sermon, a long video, I gained so much more wisdom and knowledge from this slower approach. And we just, we have to be careful because we can't lose that. Yeah, We can't just be like, well, this is the culture. So we're just going to, you know, get with the times and like, it's a shorts culture. Like people need it in 30 seconds and that's all we should do. Like we cannot lose like our attention span because we'll never grow Yeah, because the word of God is not just like, Oh, read one verse and you're great. You know? Um, it has to be like this slow process of eating and chewing. You know, like if you yeah. eat too fast, like you have indigestion and like digestive problems. You don't, your food doesn't digest as well. Um, but when you slowly yeah. chew on your food, swallow, take your time to eat, yeah. you receive more benefits from yeah. the food you're eating. And your body is healthier and yeah. <laughs> hopefully not and I think everything we just, flows better. We just want this microwavable knowledge. We want this knowledge that comes quick and easy. We don't want to cook it. We don't mm. want to uh, go get it from the garden. We don't want to shoot it. Mm -hmm. We don't want to, you know, roast it, barbecue it and season it. We don't want to do the hours worth of a good nutritionist meal. We just mm -hmm. want it quick and frozen and easy. And, but that's not good for you. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just not good. And I think this is why Jesus says you have to be drastic when it comes to your repentance, because we're talking about love here. Me and our, our, us and our friends, we went to dinner and there was a hostess who was like flirting with my friend in front of his wife. Um, and then she kind of tried to like start to make a flirtatious jab at me. And this is happening in front of our wives. And both of us were very drastic in the way that we spoke to her because we were, we were saying, cut it out. Like we, it wasn't like we were playing on the fence. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's so cool. You know, it was just like one word answers. Yep. Okay. And it was very, would I treat anybody else that way? Of course not. It'd be rude, but we had to be drastic with her because there's love on the line. And so when it comes to your relationship with God, it may seem drastic to say, I'm going to wake up at 4.30. I'm going to delete my Netflix. I'm going to fast from social media. Mm -hmm. It may seem drastic to do things like that, but you're not, you're not doing it in the name of stoicism. You're not doing it in the name of um, aestheticism. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm so, such like a monk, a modern day monk. All that stuff are lies. And it's just you. It's you relying on your strength. But when you do those things drastically out of love, because you're standing next to the person that you love and you want to make sure nothing comes in between you and that person. And you want to make sure you grow in love with that person. It, it's still drastic, but the, um, there's a reason for it, mm -hmm. you know? 
Uh, and so I, that's the way we have to see this stuff. You know, we have to see, okay, if I want to grow in the knowledge of God, I'm a part of his family. I'm one of his disciples. I've been given the ability because I believe in him to understand him. So that means I got to really follow him. Mm-hmm. That's where you're going to see the change. If you don't choose to do this, you will not grow in the knowledge of him, which means you haven't really been given the ability to get that knowledge, which means you're not a Christian. You're not growing in him. And this is why we see time and time again, we just see people in our life who just are not changing. And you may be that person. You may look in the mirror and say, I am the same person I was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. What happened? You know, going back to character, we're just like those other three soils who aren't responding to grace. The grace is you've been given a relationship with God. He's walking with you. He loves you. He has grace for you. He has mercy for you. Remind yourself of how he treated the disciples when they kept on messing up. He's walking with you. And so it means live with him, follow him. Good. And you'll see that. Mm -hmm. Love Love you guys. Thanks for listening. And I will see you in the next one. Oh, amenpodcast.com if you want to support us. Keep us ad free. Can't do this without you. Yes. Thank you guys. Yes. Rate, review if you can. We love that. It's a great way to help us. And (laughs) subscribe and ring the notification bell. I've probably said that. Three times in my entire YouTube career. This part is so hard. I still like jumble my words. <laughs> Turn on the notifications, guys. Turn them on. Ring the little church bell. And keep subscribing you know, yes. to the videos. We really appreciate you guys. We love seeing your comments. We love hearing how God has used this ministry um, to bless your life. And so, ah, yeah, we can't thank you enough for your overwhelming support. So until next time, go out and be the church. Amen.